good morning. Welcome to church. Will you stand as we begin to worship? And good morning to everyone who's in our other locations and visiting us online or with us online. Let's worship.
Jesus, we praise you in this place. We worship your name this morning. There's nothing better than you.
you so much. Good morning. You go ahead and have a seat. That would be great. My name is Ron, and I will be your host today, whatever that means. I just made that up, by the way. I need it up here. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> hey, um, what we decided to do this year, 2021, is on Family Sunday, so today's Family Sunday, the fourth Sunday of each month, which we designate for a couple things. One is we have communion together on Family Sunday, so we're going to be enjoying communion together today. In fact, if you didn't uh, get the communion cup when you came in, I'd like to ask the greeters in each venue, sanctuary, loft, and also in the patio, to go ahead and grab the, grab the tray and walk around, make sure everybody's got a communion cup, because we're going to be, as I said, having communion today as a, as a group. And then also, what we do on Communion Sunday, um, Family Sunday, is we encourage families to worship together. So we don't have our normal classes for first grade and up. We do have class available for those under first grade. So if you've got some kids that, for whatever reason, you want to have them in class, you can take them there and that'd be fine. Or if you want to keep them with you, that'd be great. Uh, one of the things that, that we feel is sort of a, a, a symptom of a, a, a vibrant, growing church is the sound of kids. Could be crying kids, could be fussy kids. We love kids. And, and so, yeah, as, as long as they're not you know, distracting me, that's fine. We love them. Um, also, what we've done this year is the mission, the missionaries that we support, and we support about a dozen, is we, we designate each, each family Sunday as we want to introduce you to a missionary that we are involved with. That could be financial, certainly prayerfully. And the, the, the couple I'm going to introduce you to in just a moment, we've actually been involved with them uh, for a long, long time, and so I'll let them tell you their story. So I'd like to go ahead and invite uh, Cheryl and Lynn up to the front. So Cheryl and Lynn, come on up. And Dave, where did you put your mic? It's oh, here it is. There it is. Okay, so let's give a warm welcome. You want to use this one? There you go, Lynn. All right. Is that a good height? Do you want it lowered? You good? All right. Okay. All right. I like to fall over. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. It's really a blessing for us to be here. I mean, you know, we're in Israel most of the time, or we have been, except for when this COVID hit. And I was in Israel when the COVID hit, and I had to come back to the States. Lem was in Texas. I was in Israel, and I had to first extend my stay in Israel. And then there were no flights, so I was waiting and waiting for a flight, but I didn't want to end up in one of those quarantines in New York or New Jersey where they fly you into, so I was just praying because I thought if I ended up in the hospital, I'll never get out. Ah, they'll find something wrong. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had this window of time. I got the flight on June 18th of last year, and I got back, and Lem picked me up in Dallas. I didn't have to quarantine. A few days later... They started the quarantine again in New York and New Jersey. So God is good. Yeah, what's good about doing mission field or doing any ministry, and a lot of you are involved in ministry, you get to see the Lord working through you and working around you. You know, it's like watching them. I'm sure the, uh, the apostles, uh, disciples, were when they were following them, they'd probably wake them and go, God, I wonder what he's going to do today. And that's how we feel. It's like, what is he going to do today? And so many different surprises happen, you know, from attacks to people getting saved. The last two days were ministry days for us. 
and they were long, and we needed more sleep than we got, but, you know, it was good. It was really good. We got to pray with our brothers, and all kinds of good stuff happened. Okay, I'll stop talking. What I'd like to do is tell you that the ministry that we're involved in, that we do, is called Love Without Borders, and it started with a smiley who was a Muslim, became a Christian, and we worked together to go to these different Muslims, especially, and tell them about the Lord. And they were coming in the kingdom like that. It was fun. You know, they would walk up to me and goes, I want to be baptized. You know, it's like, whoa, okay. You know, they go down, they believe, they go down as a Muslim, they come up as a Christian. Not that that's their theology or whatever you want to call it, but they have to do that first. They have to wash all that off and come up. And when they come up out of the water, they're just shining like crazy. You know, it's like wonderful. So that's, uh, you know, Jesus said, you know not what food I have. You know, I, when he was at the whale, when Samaria I have food over there, and Len knows this. You just get so invigorated. You forget about eating. You forget about sleeping. You just go and do the ministry. So anyways, Love Without Borders doesn't just go to Muslims or go to Arabs, but it also goes to the Jewish people. So we have a mixture. We were doing more Muslims than Jews, and now it's like mixed, secular Jews, ultra-Orthodox Jews, regular Orthodox Jews, and just you name it, all kinds. So it's a fun ministry, and the Lord just kind of puts us in their path. We don't go looking for them. They just come in our path, and then we minister to them. So Len is going to share a little bit and while I rest. And <laughs> so he's just got something to say to you, and then I will finish up. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> good morning. Um, I'm going to start with uh, something just a little off the ball. Since we moved to Texas from uh, Israel by way of California. And um, when, when I, we first moved to Texas, I would hear people say, y'all. And I thought it meant y'all. But what y'all means in Texas is y'all, one person, y'all. So if I were to address everyone here, it's all y'all. <laughs> and that was my reaction. <laughs> So that gets me to relax a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. So as Cheryl said, it's, and it's whoever the Lord brings in front of us. That's who we minister to. And, and so that's what we have to be open to wherever we're at in the United States, England, but in Israel. So I want to focus on the Jewish people in Israel right now. And the Jewish community. So what the Lord revealed to me a couple of years ago, a few years ago, was that the Jewish community, ultra-Orthodox, Orthodox, uh, Jews, read scripture. Pretty obvious. But what was interesting to me is that they read portions of scripture every week. Around the world, the same portions. And so... The Lord revealed to me in my little brain, why don't you read the same portions for a couple of reasons. One, I was blessed. But two, it gave me an opportunity to open a small door to start speaking to the ultra-Orthodox and Orthodox Jews, which in general, you feel like there's a little bit of a wall there. It broke open the wall. All I had to do was ask a question. What do you think of? And man, when you ask that question, 
the, it's like a floodgate. And they love to talk about scripture and argue. <laughs> so, but it also gave us an opportunity to share the Lord. It's somewhat of a struggle. We do this a lot. But it's there. And it opens up that opportunity. And it just turns out that yesterday was the beginning of the next portion. I'll call it biblical portion. And they started reading Deuteronomy 3.23 through 7.11. And every... Orthodox and, and ultra-Orthodox Jew in the world is right now reading and studying with their families. The same scripture. The same, yeah, all of the, thank you. <laughs> the same scripture. So that's what I started doing. And yesterday we started studying that scripture. And buried in the scripture, not buried, obvious to, in, to me in the scripture is Jesus. So our prayer is that God uses his word to reveal Jesus to all of the Jewish people that especially those that are reading his word. Yeah. So if I were to ask everyone to to pray for Israel, that's what I would first ask. Pray into the word that God will reveal himself Amen. to the Jewish people. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. That turned out really good. <laughs> okay. That's all the reinforcement I need. <laughs> <laughs> we do tease each other a lot. It's been a real blessing. We got married in 2014. And while, I mean, the relationship grows all the time. And I found out about his sense of humor when I was in Israel, stuck. And I got back, and he's joking with all the neighbors. And I'm just watching this going, oh, my gosh, he's funny. <laughs> so, and now we get to have a funny time. So it's, it's great. Love it. Okay, so what we just want to say is that Torah portion or the biblical portion that he's referring to, we have an update we put out every month. And in that update, we put the portions. So if anybody wants to follow along, they know what the Jews are reading that week around the world. And if you run across a Jew even on an airplane or something, you can just sit down and go, hey, what about that in book, you know, what do you think about that? And you're right there with them on the same scripture, and it does open those doors. So we're going to have a table out in the middle somewhere up there, and we'll have the, we'll have the, no, we won't have the Torah portions out there, no. Okay, so we have stuff on the table, things you can take, and uh, cards and, you know, information, so just please do that if you can. Oh, by the way, we do have a sign-up sheet. So if you want those Torah portions, they call them Torah portions in Israel. So it's what I'm used to. But anyways, they're biblical Bible portions. If you want that, we put that in our update. You can come and sign your email address there, and you will get that every month. In the update is not just that, but it's about what God's doing, what God's doing in our lives, maybe a little personal section. And then I put paragraphs of news because our cover in Israel is we're journalists. You can't be a missionary in Israel. As a matter of fact, I talked to this Mossad agent, and I had no idea that he was in my computer because I was babysitting his kid, two kids. And anyways, he went in my computer to see who I was, you know, and do a background check on me. 
And he told me in 2018 in front of Lynn what happened when he checked me out in 2005 or six, whatever it was. And he kept seeing the word mission and mission this and mission. And he said, in Israel, that means operation. And so he thought we were doing an operation, terrorist operation. So don't write mission to me. <laughs> It'll get me in trouble. But anyways, it's really fun you know, to be over there. And we have this cover as a journalist, but we really have to do the work. So I'm on the government press office list. I get all the emails, all the press releases that come out in a day. I get all the press releases that come out in the, from the White House every day also. So I get all this news, what's really happening, before it goes in the paper. And some of it doesn't even make the paper. It's amazing what does not make the paper. So that's our cover. And we tell all the people we go to minister to, they say, what are you doing here? We can't say missionary. So we say, we're doing journalism. We have to turn in our work at the Ministry of Interior so they can see that we're actually doing journalism. So we have our credentials, our press credentials, in both America and in Israel. So that's pretty cool to have that. And the Lord opened the doors so that we could get journalist visas. We're not on journalist visas now because when you go in, you get an automatic three months in Israel. We bought a house, as Len said, in Texas because we couldn't afford one here. And I miss it here. Oh, my gosh, I miss it. <laughs> I love California. I was born in California. Um, but we needed a place we can come to, and God knew that the COVID was going to hit because in 2019, we bought the house, went back to Israel, and the COVID hit, and we would have had to stay in hotels or with friends or family here in America because we didn't have anything before this. So now we have a home where we have all our things out of the storage units. What timing? God is good. I see it all the time. So, yes, yeah, so we write articles, we do television, we do radio, and we're traveling around, well, this time we're traveling up and down California, but we speak in England and Canada and Australia, wherever we're invited, we go to these places and speak about Israel, what's happening there, current affairs, biblical prophecies, and how the current affairs match what's in the Bible, and you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're getting so close, and wow, yeah, there's a lot to tell you guys what's going on. And it takes longer than what we can do up here. So what we're going to do on Friday, the 30th, is we're going to be in the loft at, in the evening. We're going to start at 5.30. We're going to have snacks. People can come and do a, like a meet and greet thing. And then at 6 o'clock, we're going to have music. One gentleman is going to come, and he's going to be singing in Hebrew. He's going to sing the national anthem in Hebrew, the Israeli national anthem. And he's got the words he's going to hand out so you can see in English and in Hebrew what it is. And then he's going to do Psalm 23 in Hebrew, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then DJ will be coming, and she's going to lead worship, and she's going to do Hebrew and English songs, among some others, I think. So maybe Gary is going to join her. I don't know. She said something about Gary will be playing with her. So then we'll talk. We'll do a PowerPoint presentation so people can see pictures of what's going on. We're going to cover current affairs, and then we're going to do a question time and discussion. Because people want to know what's going on. How does America match with Israel? What's going on since both we have two new administrations, one in Israel, one here? And there's a lot going on and a lot festering up right now. And we're going to let you know what all those things are. So Friday, you can go, you're welcome to come. Anybody's welcome to come. On that table, we have flyers. So you can come up and get a flyer. It has all the details. But I just gave them to you. It'll be in the loft. We start at 530. Program starts at 6. Please come if you're interested in what's going on in Israel. You're more than welcome. Um, and I think that's about it. I think I covered everything, right? 
I think so. Okay. So, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and sit down and enjoy the service ourselves for a change. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you on Friday. But we'll be out there at the table if you want to talk to us. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Cheryl. Today is uh, really uh, a sweet, sweet day for, for me in particular, and here's why. So Amanda, who is leading worship this morning, um, I've known her parents, Jim and Kim Coles, before she was born. She is their firstborn of seven, and so I've got to see Amanda since day one, grow up, and now she's you know loving the Lord, serving the Lord, leading us in worship, and, and that's really special for sure. And then, uh, so Cheryl began attending a church that I was a part of, uh, pastoring in Avila Beach, the Avila Beach Christian Fellowship. She started, uh, she gave her life to the Lord in 1989 and began coming to the church in Avila back then. And so uh, we have a lot of history. We helped get her on the mission field. Uh, She came to me one day and said, you know, I really believe the Lord is asking me, calling me to move to Israel. And so we talked about that. And, and what I encourage her to do is just go on, a, go on a tourist trip, go to Israel and spend some time there and, and uh, see if God, you know, confirms that. And I think she went maybe twice as, as a tourist. And then she sold everything and moved full time to Israel. And again, that was in the I believe that was in the early 90s when she did that. And so um, it's really special for me to be a part of seeing what God is doing in, in the lives of, of, of people that are friends of mine. And, and uh, so what I want to do this morning, uh, again, a little background. Oh, by the way, did everybody get a communion cup? Is there anybody that did not get one? Okay. Um, if you didn't get one, raise your hand. And um, okay, Amanda, could you grab the communion tray right there and kind of wander around? And, and in the other venues, if you need to get one, there is a communion tray there as well. Because as I mentioned, we are going to be having communion this morning. So Cheryl gave you a little bit of her background. I came to know Lynn later because they got married a little bit later. And so we have a lot of history. Cheryl used to work at, at Diablo Canyon. And uh, she's from California. She mentioned that. Both Len and, and Cheryl are both from California. And so, this, you know, this is their life. This is what they know, their, their history, their background. So here, here's my question. I'm going to be asking a few questions this morning. The first question is this. Why would Cheryl and Len leave the central coast of California to move to Israel? Okay. Um, many of you know Daniel and Solvay, Kinda. So Daniel is from here. He was born and raised in Santa Maria, Central Coast, uh, grew up here. Uh, Solvay actually is from Denmark. She was born in the Faroe Islands, just off the coast of Denmark. So uh, think about Daniel for a minute. So he, you know, again, had good career here in California, and yet God put a, a call upon his life. Now, his original call, if he was up here telling you, was actually to go to Uganda, and now why would God send Daniel, this is pre, pre-Solvi days, he sent Daniel to Uganda, and so Daniel spent about seven years in Uganda doing mission work there, and guess who he met in Uganda? He met Solvi from Denmark in Uganda, so they got married there, and then God had a, a, a bigger work, a bigger calling for them. So the two of them together moved to Greenland. In fact, I have a few pictures I want to show you just to kind of refresh your memory of Daniel and Solvay. So what do we have here? So this is Daniel and Solvay. This is 
their home in the village of Kasiangwit. Uh, I can say it, I cannot spell it. And the, the next picture is, this is the village that they live in, in Greenland, Kasiangwit. And jump to the next one. Where is Greenland? And so the lower circle is where we are, California. And you go all the way, you see Canada above us, and then to the east, that's where Greenland is. And I circled the area where they live, and then jumped to the next slide. Okay, I talked to, um, take that one down just for a moment. So on Friday, this last Friday, uh, Daniel had told me that they were going to be taking a, a trip. So they own a boat together, uh, Daniel and the Sylvite do, and the purpose of the boat is to be able to get to the villages in Greenland to minister there. And so um, he, he told me that he had a couple of young men that he was going to be baptizing, and then he was going to be taking a trip, he and Solvay and two crew, uh, to another village to share the gospel there. And so uh, Friday, so just a few days ago, uh, I was at home, and I get a phone call, and I see that it's Daniel. So I take the phone call. Now, th- this is sort of just a side note. So here I am in California, in Rio Grande, and he's seven miles off the coast in Greenland. In fact, go back to that map. He's, he's on his journey, on his boat, going along the coast of Greenland, and here we are talking. It was as though he was sitting, like, in the same room. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Truly amazing. So what he did first, so this is the journey in the, southern, the lower portion, that's, her, that's the, the village they live in, Kasiangwit, through that um, little inlet there, and they're going to a village up on the top. Before they did that, show me the next picture. As I said, they did some baptizing. This is Ian, so that's Daniel baptizing Ian in a a lake near where they live. And then the next one is uh, Ian coming up out of the water, new creation in Christ. Isn't that awesome? All right, jump back now. Okay, that's the boat. The, uh, yeah, jump back to the boat. That'd be good. The, um, so that means the light. All right, so here's, here's my question. You can take the picture down now. So uh, why would Daniel and Solvay, Daniel in particular, move from Central California, sell everything, pack up, and move to Greenland? We're going to look at that question and answer that question this morning. Many of you met, uh, maybe for the first time, or you got to see Shane Koch come up front. Steve invited him up front. Uh, He's been fellowshipping here for a number of years. So the Lord has called him on a five-month missions trip to Zimbabwe. Where is Zimbabwe? Okay, here's a map of Africa, and I circled Zimbabwe for you so you could get get an idea of where it is. Okay, Um, so Shane... Uh, He's from here. He's from the central coast of California. So for the next five months, he's going to be in Zimbabwe, Africa, sharing the gospel there with Mike and Cindy Maddie. Some of you know Mike and Cindy. All right. So the answer to this question actually uh, is found in the title of this morning's message. So why would someone, Len and Cheryl, Daniel and Solvay, Shane, move from where they were settled, where their roots were, their foundation, and move to a distant, distant country. So the answer is, actually, the title of the message is, Live Your Life on Mission. Now, that's, that's actually the answer, Live Your Life on Mission, but I want to unpack that just a little bit for you this morning. And to do that, we need to look at a few scriptures. So before we get into the scripture, let's pray for a moment. Lord, we just look to you. Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you are the teacher. And so as I speak, and as we uh, look through the scripture, Lord, we, we want our heart to be 
impacted by you. We want to be touched by you. We want to hear your voice and the calling that you have on us. Lord, there's a calling on each of us. Lord, help us to discover that calling and help us to respond to that calling. And so, Lord, we commit our time together this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you remember this story in Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. So this is in the northern part of Israel. And he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So they immediately left their nets and followed him. So we see Simon and Andrew, Simon Peter. So we're talking about Peter here. Another verse in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus was walking along and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. And he said, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Simon Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen by trade. Um, in fact, the story shows that they were actually with, uh, with their dad. I mean, it's a family business, well-rooted in the Galilee area, fishermen by trade. And Matthew was a tax collector. When Jesus called them, they left their occupation, they left their situation, and they followed him. So Cheryl had a career, as I mentioned earlier, working at Diablo Canyon. She had a pretty awesome position there. If I have it right, Cheryl, I think I do. She was in security at Diablo Canyon for many years. In fact, she actually got to carry a weapon. I mean, how cool is that, right? A blonde blonde girl like her carrying a weapon out of Diablo Canyon. It's pretty scary. (laughs) Uh, Daniel, on the other hand, he was in the aerospace industry doing very, very well here. Then something happened to them. Jesus called them, and they said, yes. And then he gave them a new direction. He gave them a new purpose in life, uh, a different, a different calling in their life. So Jesus was, he was with his disciples. You guys, you know the story. It's just before his ascension. So he had already been to the cross. He had been put in a tomb And he had been raised from the dead, and we're in that interim time before his ascension into heaven. And so this is what he said to the disciples as they were gathered together, being assembled together, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water... But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he was looking ahead to the day of Pentecost when they would be gathered together in that upper room and the Holy Spirit would be given. Now, this was a very unique experience because prior to this time of the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. But from the day of Pentecost forward, he would indwell. He would indwell and live within believers. So Jesus continues that conversation in verse 8, and he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, 
and to the end of the earth. So back to my original question, why would a person leave the comfort? It's comfortable here, central coast of California. It's comfortable. Why would a person leave their comfort in their current life and make that radical change and take a completely new direction in life, a new mission, a new mission in life? So there's really only one answer to that question, and here's, here's the answer. When a person makes the decision to believe in and to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit begins a supernatural work in the life of that person. And it affects everything. Every area of life is touched by the work of the Holy Spirit. God gives us, now I'm talking about us, those of us who are followers and believers, Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord. God gives us a far greater purpose in life. An eternal purpose. And as a result of that, that's a radical change. We tend to look at, at life differently, but maybe more importantly, we see people differently. You see, what happens when the Holy Spirit is in us, we now see people through God's eyes, the way God sees people. We discover we have a mission. We live our lives on mission. We discover our mission in life beyond our occupation, beyond our current situation. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are on mission. That there's, there's no, no questioning that. You may, may not have realized it yet. Today's your day. You are, in fact, a missionary. Now, when we think of missionaries, we think of like the Apostle Paul type of people that, you know, went on these vast campaigns, and, and that may occur. It, it has occurred in Len and Cheryl's life, Daniel's life, Shane's life. Your, your mission field may be in, entirely different. So to be clear, you may not be called to move to a foreign country, and I know many of us, it's like one of the first things we think about as we become a Christian, like, oh, Lord, don't call me to Africa, you know, don't call me there. Um, <laughs> you may not be called to a foreign mission field like Len and Cheryl and Daniel Solvay and, and Shane, but wherever you are is your mission field, wherever you are. And by the way, you don't, you, you may not have to leave your current job your uh, current situation to be on the mission field because you're on the mission field. So the, the, the key is serve him right where you are. I love what Cheryl said about how God just brings people to her and Len, and then he, he opens those doors to speak about eternal things. I've found that's often what God will do. So the fear factor is, oh, Lord, I, you know, I, got, I can't talk to people and all that. And what God will do is he'll bring people to you. And he'll open a door, a conversation. So you're just, you're just speaking into their lives words of eternal life. 
So your current situation may not change. You serve them right where you are. What does that mean? So being on missions really means this, that you are an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? An evangelist proclaims, uh, declares the things that God has said about himself and about, about people. We share truth with people. So we're on mission right where we are. We live on mission. So what does that mean? Well, it means evangelize your kids. It means evangelize your coworkers. If you're a young person, you're a student in elementary, junior, senior, college, evangelize your fellow students, your neighbors. Evangelize your parents if they don't know the Lord. Evangelize your, your friends and, and your siblings. Maybe your siblings don't, don't know him. Uh, your extended family. So, and, and I want to say this as a word of encouragement. Don't ever limit what God can do through you. God, God is an expert at using weak and broken people to accomplish his purposes. If there is a secret in all this, I think, I think the secret is this. When God calls you, and he will call you, <laughs> I promise you that, wherever he may lead you, the answer is always the same. Yes, Lord. That's the answer. Now, God knows human nature. We may struggle. <laughs> we may resist him. We may fight him a bit. Let him win. Let him win. It, it's a... Uh, uh, no greater, no greater life, no greater joy in life than to be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to impact people for now and for eternity. You know, of course, there's a transformation that occurs when we see a person come to Christ, and it's like there's this amazing change that occurs. But they also get to go to heaven, and we we played a part in that, and how awesome that is. So. One of the verses that I read a moment ago, it was Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus again is speaking, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. He was speaking to a crowd that lived there. That, that was home base. Pentecost was in Jerusalem. So he's saying, hey, start local. I'm going to call many of you to be local. But I'm going to call some of you broader. So Jerusalem would be for us maybe the five cities, local. Uh, Judea could be, I don't know, San Luis County and, and beyond, a bigger part of California. Samaria could be all of California, maybe even, maybe even the entire West Coast. And the ends of the earth is the ends of the earth. I mention that because we, we have to think in terms of what is God's heart, what is the desire of God's heart, his, his overall plan? And it's this, to get as many people into his kingdom as possible before the end of the church age. That's what we live. We live in the church age. There's going to come a time where the church age is going to end. And depending on how you look at eschatology, it could be at the time of the rapture of the church. It's when the tribulation period begins. There's a seven-year tribulation period. And then after that is the millennial kingdom. But we're, we live here. We're in the church age. God wants to use us to reach as many people as possible 
with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can take as many people as possible into his eternal kingdom. So wherever life takes you, wherever God leads you, just like the disciples, you were born, you've been born for greater purpose than just, you know, the mundane status quo, more than just working, more than just surviving, more than just living for yourself. I know that's, that's a human dilemma. We're pretty selfish creatures. It's more than just living for ourselves. You may never leave the Central Coast, as I mentioned, uh, but don't, don't be close to the possibility that God might call you out. And wherever he calls you, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's for sure going to be an adventure of a lifetime. Perhaps God is calling you to go. We don't know. I don't know. God will show you. God will speak to you. I promise you that. God has given each and every one of us a mission field, and, it, and it's, it's, it's here. It starts here. It's right before us. It's right where we are. It's right now. So why, why would God call people like us, uh, imperfect, broken, messed up people? We're all the same, really. <laughs> why, does, why would God call people like us to be his evangelists, to be his missionaries going forth? Uh, to answer that question, we'll look at a scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. begins with verse 17. Here's what it says. If anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So God calls his people on mission because people are dying without knowing him. And he's given us a word for them, a message for them before they die. God calls us on mission because people are dying without knowing him. People are dying without knowing what God has provided for them through Jesus Christ. Maybe they've never heard the gospel. Maybe you're the perfect person. You've got that relationship, that open door to share the gospel with them. They may not listen to anybody else, but they'll listen to you. Which is why he's given each of us a ministry, a mission. So it's, it's, it's what is the ministry? I mean, if you could define it. It's, it's this, what I just read. It's the ministry of reconciliation. What does that even mean? Well, it really, that, that ministry of reconciliation, it really, in essence, it is, it is the gospel. Uh, here at Harvest Church, we try to talk a lot about the gospel. But more importantly, we need to know what the gospel is. Uh, it's super important 
that if we are given the ministry of reconciliation, and we are, that we're able to, to both know the gospel and articulate it to another person, to communicate it to another person. I want to give you a, a homework assignment, and that is to um, use whatever resource you need to or just go to the scripture and try to, try to discover what the gospel is. And there, there's some key verses that really seem to summarize it super well. And I'm going to leave you on your own to find what those scriptures are. But I think it's a really good idea to memorize those scriptures and just make them part of, part of your mind, part of your heart, so that when you have opportunity, and you may not have your, your Bible with you, you can't, well, let me, let me, you know, let me look that up. But it's, it, it's coming out of you. And you can communicate the gospel, you know, at, at, at the drop of a hat. Anytime, anywhere, I can tell a person what the gospel is. So that's your homework assignment. But I am going to give you a little bit of the gospel. Okay, there's more, but I'm going to give you some of it. Well, by definition, the gospel is good news. But that, that just seems so minor. Okay, good news. All right, well, what, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's, um, here's what it is. And it's back to the verse I read a moment ago. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Again, this is just one place you can find the gospel. For he, that he there, that's God the Father. For he made him, that him, that's Jesus the Messiah. For the Father, God the Father made Jesus the Son, who knew no sin. So Jesus was a spotless, sinless person, the Lamb of God. God the Father made Jesus the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. What does that even mean? We think about it on the cross, Jesus, some of the, the things that occurred on the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, it says that the sins of the world were placed upon him. In effect, they were, they were nailed to him. Our sins were put upon him. And in effect, he became sin. He that knew no sin, sin our sin was placed upon him on the cross. Why did he do that? Why did God do that to his son? Well, again, it tells us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus Christ. It, this, is a, this is a wonderful, amazing thing. And a, as you unpack it, as you understand the gospel to a greater degree, you're going to realize not only this good news, I mean, this, this is the best news yeah, that ever could be. That literally, the, the picture is this, that we were lost in sin and death. We had a curse, a death sentence upon us. No relationship with God, no place in his kingdom. And then Jesus came, and he died on the cross for us. He was buried and he rose again. And that as we place our faith and hope and trust in him, that my sin was put upon him on the cross. The supernatural thing that happens is that we're now made spiritually alive. The curse is gone. It's been lifted. And now we have a place reserved in heaven by the power of God that's undefiled, that cannot be taken away. So the gospel is really all about this. From God's perspective, I think it's all about this. It's, it's the restoring of a broken relationship. God loves you so much. He loves people so much 
that he sent his son. It's not that he just allowed his son to go to the cross. He sent his son to the cross. That's why Jesus came. To restore a broken relationship. Our relationship with God was broken because of sin. In Christ and through Christ, our relationship with God has been restored. We're, we're back with him. We're one with him. We're reconciled. That's what that word means. The ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. We're reconciled to God the Father through Jesus the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So it, I mentioned earlier that we're going to be having communion. So in, in a moment, we're going to have communion together. Uh, so we often call it communion or the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to read a verse about that, and then we're going to, in a moment, have communion together. So in Matthew chapter, sorry, in Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 22, as they were eating. So they're gathered together. This would be like the Last Supper before Jesus was going to be taken into custody and tortured and then ultimately put on the cross. As they were eating, so they're having the Passover together, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So communion, if we think about it, it's really meant to be an illustration. It's a picture. It's a picture of what God has provided for us through, through his son. Perry, I don't have a communion cup. Could you go grab one for me, please? Thank you very much. So it's a picture of what God has, thank you, Perry, has provided for us through, through Jesus Christ, his son. So I'm going to go ahead and take out the wafer. It's kind of tough to get to. Um, and be careful, don't, once you get the wafer out, don't spill the juice on your lap. Not good. No bueno. <laughs> go ahead and open up the, the juice so that we're ready to go I long for the good old days when we used to just pass the communion trays right we didn't have to do this maybe we'll go back to that someday so the bread that's what we have right now the bread it's a picture of Christ's body and the fact that his body was broken. What does that mean? Well, when he was taken captive in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was beaten. He was, well, he has beard plucked out. He had a crown of thorns put upon his head. He was whipped. He was scourged. Uh, they put a robe on him after they scourged him and, and mocked him as, you know, you call yourself the king of the Jews and, and look at you. And then they ripped the robe off. So he, his body was, the Bible says his, his visage, his appearance was marred more than any man. He suffered deeply 
on the cross. And that's what this represents, what he went through to purchase for us our salvation. Lord, thank you. Thank you. As we, you know, we can't fully, fully comprehend what you did for us, but we know that you, you gladly went to the cross for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And so, Lord, we're so thankful that you did that for us. So, Lord, we, as we partake of what represents your body, your broken body, Lord, help us to comprehend in a deeper way, understand in a deeper way all that you did for us in purchasing for us our salvation. Go ahead and take the, the wafer. So the juice represents, so at the Passover feast, there were four cups of wine. When Jesus picked up the cup that he shared at communion, it was called the cup of redemption. He was in the process of redeeming us, buying us back, literally from slavery, from bondage. The wine is a picture of the blood that he shed. So I'm sure you know, not only the crown of thorns was put upon his head, but as he was nailed to the cross, his side was pierced with a sword, and it says that blood and water came out. So this pictures the blood that he shed for us. It's a picture of the sacrifice that he made as the spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, thank you that you were faithful unto death, even the death of the cross. Lord, help us to understand more fully all that you did and provided for us by purchasing for us our salvation. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus held up that cup. I'm going to just talk about it a little bit more. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant. So it's interesting. He brings up a term that many of us might not fully understand very well. This is my blood of the new covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant, covenant is a pledge. It is a promise that has been made. A covenant is a promise that God made. So if we go back and we look at some of the covenants that God made, there's the covenant that God made to Noah. And the promise that the pledge that he gave is this, I won't destroy the earth with a flood ever again. That was a covenant he made with Noah. God made a covenant with Abraham, and here's the promise he made to Abraham. Through your seed, Abraham, through your seed, your kids, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. He's still in the process of fulfilling that. God made a covenant with Moses that through Moses, God gave the nation of Israel the law, which was in effect the conditions that were necessary so that the people could approach him. So the covenant with Moses gave the people a way to have relationship with God the Father. But Jesus here, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling something profound, the new covenant. And new, it's not new in the sense that it's, it's never been seen before, done before. It's new in the fact that it's, it's the completion. It's the completion of all the covenants that God has made. 
And when he went to the cross and shed his blood and, and died for us, the covenant was complete. It's been fully ratified and fulfilled. The promise has been complete. So all these covenants that I mentioned a moment ago, all these promises really were given directly to the people of Israel, not to people that aren't Jewish by birth. So what about us? What about us, those of us that are not Jews, you know, by birth? Uh, as it turns out, there is another covenant or maybe an addition to the covenant uh, another promise given in Scripture. I want to I share this one. with. When I found this one, it was like my eyes just kind of opened, my understanding. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, God speaking. And, and here again, it's, it's God the Father speaking to Jesus the Son. He says, I, the Lord, have called you. I, God the Father, the Lord, have called you my Son in righteousness. And I will hold your hand, and I will keep you, and I will give you. He's talking about the cross. I will give you as a covenant to the people, not just the Jewish people. It goes on, as a light to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are all the other people, non-Jews. I'm going to give you, Jesus, my son, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison and those who sit in darkness from the prison house. It's like, I've come, the covenant is fulfilled. When Jesus held up that cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant, this is what he was talking about. I've come to set the captive free and to open the prison doors to those who are bound up. So this is why, this is why Jesus came into the world not only for the Jewish people, but for everyone, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners, to deliver those who were in darkness, to fulfill the covenant, the promise that God had previously given. Now, how did Jesus the Messiah accomplish this, the fulfillment? So there's a few key verses in Isaiah chapter 53 I'm going to look at. We're going to be closing out in just a couple of minutes. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. When it says he, he's talking about Jesus, the son, the Messiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Talking about the whipping, the beating, the scourging, the torture. By his stripes, by what he endured, we are healed. You know, I think a bit from God's perspective. Why would God the Father ask his son to do this. You know, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He was obedient to go to the cross on our behalf. Why did God allow his son to endure such suffering? Well, we're told why in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. It says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God to bruise his son. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. I think he was talking about us. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. 
God the Father shall see the labor of his son. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant, Jesus, shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. You see, God sent his son into the world for the purpose of setting us free and restoring that broken relationship. So back to the verse in Matthew 14 for a moment. Jesus said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. As surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day. He's talking about a specific day. Until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I think, I think he's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. We shall see. But when I say, what I want to say to you this morning, I want to say this with absolute certainty. Jesus is coming back again to bring us home, to take us to heaven, to usher you and I into his eternal kingdom. And this could happen at any time. It might happen at the day of your death because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We don't know when we're going to die. We may be feeling great today, this morning, (laughs) and... um, We just don't know what a day is going to bring forth. Could happen any time, our day of our death perhaps, or this could happen at the time of the rapture of the church. Uh, The point is this, are you ready? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet him face to face? Because we're going to stand before God, saved and unsaved alike. We're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account. The account that we give as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, why should I let you into my kingdom? Because Jesus paid for my sin on the cross of Calvary. That's the only reason why. So Jesus, uh, in John chapter 1, it says, he came to his own. He came to the Jewish people, his own people. And his own people didn't receive him. Some did, but most did not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I want to urge you this morning, if you've never believed in Jesus before, believe in him today. As many as received him, to them he gave the privilege, the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Romans chapter 10, this is one of those places where the gospel is quite clear. Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. In Romans 10 13, you guys know it well, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there's believing and there's confessing. Believing is like an an internal thing. I don't fully understand, we never will, but I believe, Jesus, that you did go to the cross, and I believe that my sin was placed upon you on the cross. So I, I, I believe it with everything that I can muster and understand. By faith, I believe this to be true. And then the confession is part is, 
It's we first confess to God, Lord, I, I need you. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. We're confessing our belief to God. And then I think, I believe, we confess it to others. It's a powerful thing when we tell another person, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and he is my Lord and Savior. It's like it seals, it seals, it seals the deal. And then the transformation begins. And it, it's awesome. It's great. You'll never regret it. I promise you that. So uh, Jeremy mentioned earlier, I'll invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up now, that we have a, a baptism planned today. And we've got some folks that are going to be baptized right after this service. We're going to baptize some folks. And then at, right after second service, we're going to baptize some folks as well. Why am I mentioning this? So in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, it was common. The common thing was, for those who made a decision to believe in and to follow Jesus Christ, they were baptized immediately. It wasn't like months later, years later, decades later. It was, I believe and I want to get baptized. So baptism is really, it's a, it's a, it's a declaration. Maybe that's the confession part. I'm going to go in the water, which represents I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I've died with Christ, and even as Christ raised from the dead, I'm, I'm rising again out of the water to new life. So if you've made this decision today to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to do that today. Go up to the patio area. We're gonna, we've got towels for you, shorts for you, shirt for you, and a place to change. All for you. Before you do that, though, you got to give your life to Jesus Christ. And it, it's actually super simple. And I kind of modeled it a moment ago. Lord, I need you. I don't understand, but I know that Jesus went to the cross for me. And so I invite you into my life to give me new direction, to set me free in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you did. Lord, I pray for those here in the sanctuary, the loft, and the patio, and those online, Lord, that many will call upon your name for the first time. Many will be saved. And Lord, we are on mission. Our life is on mission. Lord, confirm that calling in us. Show us, open, open up for us an understanding of what our mission is and the mission field that is before us. Lord, thank you so much that we can impact lives both now and for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen. Amen.
cross by his body given that we might know wholeness and bloodshed that we might know forgiveness. Come and move on our hearts today, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your spirit. Let us be on mission for you. Use us for your glory, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. And today, if you have made that decision to follow Christ, if God has been speaking into your heart and you need to come to faith in Jesus, we're going to have prayer teams up here ready for you. If you have other needs, maybe God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe there's something on your heart that God is, is working in you, and you want to respond to that. You want to, you want to let somebody know, today is the day. Come forward. You need healing. You need a touch from God. Any reason at all that you have for healing, please come. If you don't uh, need prayer right now, Go up and celebrate the baptisms. I know there's at least three after this service. I don't know what about second service, but uh, have a great time. And Lord bless you, and we'll see you all next week.